Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Copa Libertadores is halfway through its group stage, and some interesting themes and storylines are beginning to emerge. Felipe Cardenas joins the show today to fill us in on Brazil's dominance in the competition, what's wrong with Boca Juniors, it sounds like a lot, and the continued racist incidents at some of these games. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Tuesday, May 3rd. First, as usual, it's your TV guide for today. All times are Eastern. And of course, we have one UEFA Champions League semifinal on tap today. We talked a little bit about it with John Muller yesterday. So if you're interested in a full breakdown of sort of what to expect from Villarreal versus Liverpool, you can listen to yesterday's episode of this show. But today at 3 p.m., Villarreal takes on Liverpool on CBS and Paramount Plus Villarreal down 0-2 in that particular semifinal series. There is also, as you might expect from the title of today's show, a lot of Copa Libertadores action, a bunch of games, three of them kicking off at 6.15 p.m. and three of them kicking off at 8.30 p.m. I discussed some of these games in detail with Felipe Cardenas, so let's send it over to Felipe. Felipe, we're about halfway through the group stage. Everybody's played everybody else once in their respective groups. What have you seen from the Libertadores so far? What have your impressions been? What's the tournament been like? I think at its best, this tournament can be some of the most chaotic, exciting uh, soccer you can see anywhere. Have we gotten a little bit of that so far? Perhaps a little bit. I don't think the chaos is truly started. I think that that'll take place once we complete the the group stage, which is where we're sort of at that point now. We're getting near coming out of the group stage. But to your point, yeah, I think the my one of my main takeaways is the fact that the Copa Libertadores looks like the Copa Libertadores again. The stadiums are full. Uh, the flares are going are all over the place, uh, and and that's that was missing over the last. To tournaments, you know, the, the South America has has really struggled with the pandemic. They've been much more conservative as far as uh, sporting events go and allowing fans back in the stadium. So now they're finally, like collectively, um, around the continent, so you're seeing fuller stadiums. Uh, and now I think what that means for this tournament, like every domestic league, is always pointing towards the Copa Libertadores. It's like that is like the marquee game of the week, and it just felt so. Uh, muted over the last two tournaments uh, without the fans. So now you're seeing that back. uh, And so that's a big takeaway. I think the other one just right away is the continued dominance of the Brazilian teams. You know, they, they, uh, the the defending champion is Palmeiras uh, from Brazil. They are once again, looking like the strongest side on the continent. You know, they're just completely coasting through a very easy group. A. let's, let's be honest. I mean, they've got a Venezuelan team, a Bolivian team and an Ecuadorian team, and they're just crushing them. 15 goals scored, uh, two conceded. Uh, And so they're going to go cruise right now. I think six Brazilian teams are, 
have the opportunity to advance from the group stage. So the probability of another all-Brazilian final right now is pretty high. I think there's some disappointments, but I think we're going to get to that. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you about sort of what you see as as sort of the dominant teams. And of course, Palmeiras playing tonight against Independiente Petrolero, one of those teams that you mentioned. Uh, you also mentioned, as we were talking before this, about sort of a surprise uh, story, so, like a, a team that's doing really, really well that maybe people uh, didn't think was going to do as well. And that's Estudiantes. They play Nacional tonight in what I think might be the best game of tonight. It's, you know, it's always a tough choice, but those are two really good teams. Nacional, of course, from Uruguay. Uh, what has happened with Estudiantes uh, so far this season? What, Why have they done so well in, uh, so far in the Libertadores? Well, it's, it's a good point because I think one of the things that's been missing from Copa Libertadores is just like those, those legacy teams, those big clubs from around the continent that are that over the past few decades have been uh, prominent figures uh, at the tournament. And Estudiantes is just a very historic club in our in Argentina that uh, is back in the Copa Libertadores. And I think what's interesting about them is that they don't have like a sexy style of soccer, but they're leading their group right now. Um, they're, you know, Group C, which is a tough group. You know, Estudiantes, Red Bull, Bragantino from uh, Brazil. You mentioned Nacional, just a massive club. Uh, with tons of history from Uruguay in, in this tournament as well. And then Vela Sarsfield. Velas was supposed to be the, the Argentine club coming out of this group and their last place uh, with just one point. Estudiantes, which plays just let's defend really, uh, like let's defend hard, let's be more intense than your opponent, win your battles, play the long ball, second ball type of soccer, and just crush teams on the counter. That's what they're doing. That's what they're. That's what's gotten them to a good place uh, domestically, uh, and that's what's gotten them in first place here in Group C. And I think what's interesting about them, one, it's their is their coach Ricardo Zelinski. Uh, I think he's considered, I would call, I guess, outspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that he has, one of the things that I thought has been pretty amusing about him is that he he's been criticized by like the the big coaches in Argentina, mainly Marcelo Gajardo, when they drew recently River played in Estudiantes 1-1, Gajardo was like, well, it's really tough to play against a team like that, that plays that way. And Zelensky, the standard sort of like, they, they don't even try to play soccer. They're so yes. negative that you hear all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so Zelensky was like, hey, like, I'm paraphrasing, but basically like you, we do what we have to do to win. And then he said that based on Gajardo's comments that there are just, there's just a lot of like coach speak and, selling smoke in Argentina. Like coaches love to take advantage of the microphone. So he's, he's just like this outspoken guy. And I think he has a team that just believes. And what's interesting about Estudiantes is that their, their best player right now is a 36 year old striker. Um, Mauro Baselli, who if anyone that follows Argentine soccer, South American soccer, he's like the consummate journeyman, tons of clubs. Um, And he's still like, he's still their main guy. If you haven't seen the goal he scored last week against Red Bull Bragantino, like, it's just like the classic Estudiantes goal, great finish too from him. So there, that to me is like, that is one of the stories. Can that style continue to progress through a tournament? They're not a big, rich club, you know? And so uh, it's, I think eventually they'll meet their match, but right now it's a nice story as is Libertad from Paraguay leading their group as well. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a, diff, a difficult group with Atlético Paranaense, the strongest in Caracas. I guess Libertad right now looking like the favorite with seven points, but two, I guess, unsung clubs. Libertad and Estudiantes, sort of the story so far. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Well, moving on to the next day, you mentioned that Estudiantes are not a big, rich club, but it's not so good to be a big, rich club in some places in the Libertadores right now. Boca Juniors currently last in their group, not where I think anybody expects the them to be, least of all themselves. They play always ready uh, on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Felipe, what has happened to Boca Juniors? It seems very strange to see them in in this kind of situation. Well, first of all, it is somewhat of a tricky group. You know, Corinthians from Brazil, Deportivo Cali out of Colombia, always ready uh, from Bolivia. Those are Boca Juniors teams. Like, obviously, they should be leading the group, a team like Boca Juniors. But those are, like, just feisty teams, like, that aren't that great, but they will battle anyone. Um, and so far, that's the way it's played out. Corinthians, Deportivo Cali, they've gotten results, uh, and they push Boca Juniors down to the to the last place right now in that group, which is three points. Uh I think it's just been uh, it's a club in turmoil. Boca Juniors. I mean, they they they've been known lately for what's happening away from the you know match days. Everything off the field has been just clouded. You know the sort of the history of that club. Um, what was expected to be sort of this great. Uh, campaign under Juan uh, Roman Riquelme, who's essentially like the general manager, sporting director, if you will. Sure. Um, you know, I think what he he's just become a very imposing figure. He's almost like he hasn't brought good fives to the club, uh, you know, obviously a legend at Boca Juniors. Um, and he was supposed to be like the stabilizing force after several coaches just didn't last there. Uh, and he was supposed to be the guy that was going to close, like close the gap on River Plate. Um, who is this clearly the best team in Argentina, even though they haven't been able to win a lot of leagues um, in doing so. But th- th- that, that sort of, that goal for Riquelme just hasn't, hasn't materialized. And just so many off the field problems, you know, he handpicks his friend Sebastian Bataglia, who won all those titles with him, um, you know, in the early two thousands with Boca juniors. And this is a first year coach, you know, a guy that now in Argentina is being criticized for a lack of ideas. Is he, this, this club is too big for him. Uh, he's had a very public clashes with a few players, meaning uh, mainly Agustina Almendra, a young, sort of a troublemaker, let's just be honest. Um, and he, you know, Bataglia had to throw him out of practice because they went head to head in an argument and it became this big story. Um, Eduardo Salvio, uh, one of their main attackers was accused of, of, of a hit and run by his ex-wife, uh, uh, just a few weeks ago. Jeez. And then this is all on top of, uh, Christian Pavon's ongoing sexual assault case. And so it's been like this for some time for Boca and obviously the results on the field just aren't coming through. So it's, it's a tough time to be a Boca juniors fan for sure. And maybe a slightly better time to be a fan of River Plate who play on Thursday at 6 p.m. What have we seen from that side of the big Buenos Aires rivalry so far in the Libertadores? 
They look like, you know, a contender, obviously. Uh, you know, they, 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 you know, Julian Alvarez, their young uh, Manchester City to be striker. He's, he's yeah. as, as good as advertised, scored a hat trick over the weekend when they just destroyed a small club, Sarmiento, domestically, 7 nothing. Uh, they're a very deep squad. I think that's their biggest strength. Like he, Marcel Gajardo rotates a lot. He has a lot of defenders. He has tons of midfielders and he's a nice uh, attacking depth as well. So they're very strong. I think, you know, they've, they look like a team that's contending, beating Colo Colo away to one recently in their last match. Uh, and, you know, even though they lost Roberto Rojas, one of their best defenders to a broken leg uh, about two or three weeks ago against Alianza Lima from Peru, uh, they were able to sort of just continue and and still look like a big contender in Copa. So, you know, this is a a big year for for River Plate. Everyone is sort of expecting Gajardo to leave after the season. They're playing for the treble, like the uh, the domestic cup, the league title, and Copa Libertadores. So right now they look the part, and I think they'll definitely be among those top teams coming out uh, of the knockout round. I couldn't help but notice, and I would imagine maybe you noticed. I'm sure a lot of Atlanta United fans noticed uh, Ezekiel Barco scoring a pretty amazing <laughs> goal for them the, the other week. So uh, there's there's always you know you, you never know where these guys are going to pop up. He's, again he's a big time well. player for them. He's like yeah, he, when he's, he's doing really out, well when he's out of the lineup through the injury, and it's the same injuries he's been suffering you know here in MLS. But when he's out of the lineup, it's like a headline in Argentina: Barco out. Like what's Gajardo going to do? Barco's back yeah. in, and it's like this big deal. So. It's it is interesting to your point. Once when players leave MLS and they go back on these weird loans, like when they start scoring again, they look like big time prospects. So, yeah, Barker should be fit for this week as well. Uh, one last note before we go uh, and sort of wrap up this preview: there has been a repeated sort of strain of incidents of racism that's that are happening in these games. I know you had mentioned it before we started recording this. What exactly have we been looking at so far in these games? What sort of action has been taking, taken uh, by Conmebol, if any? And what do you think can be done to stop this sort of behavior? It's one of those things that feels like it's almost impossible to get your arms around in a similar way as like the homophobic chant is in Mexico. Um, you know, it's just, I, I, I honestly just don't know how you stop something like that. Is that the sort of problem that we're de- looking at here? I think so. I, I think, you know, what is Comable doing right now? All they've really done is come out with a statement saying they're going to stamp, you know, stamp this out of the of the game, you know, probably higher fines for clubs, um, you know, some sort of, some sort of consequence and more penalties for, for those clubs whose fans engage in any sort of racist uh, incident during this, during, during games. But like, it's been pretty bad in, in the group stage. You were talking about clubs from, Colombia, Paraguay, Argentina, um, and Chile. And let's just name the clubs. River Plate and Boca Juniors both had incidents where their fans were racially abusing uh, players from from two Brazilian sides. Right now, the victims have all been Brazilian players um, of color. And then, and so Estudiantes de la Plata was, had, had an incident, you know, Olympia from Paraguay, Millonarios from Colombia, uh, Universidad Católica from Chile. They've all been accused because there's video evidence uh, and, uh, of their fans doing all kinds of terrible things uh, towards these Brazilian players. And so right yeah. now, the only thing that Conmobile has done is said, you know, we're, we're not going to stand for this. And one of the most vocal um I guess he, he's a player still, you know, William from the former Arsenal and Chelsea players now with Corinthians, like he's gone on social media and, and, uh, and really advocated for this to stop. Like he, his main 
Um, his biggest gripe, and you could tell he was really, you know, hurt by this, was an Argentine player or fan from Boca Juniors that traveled to a game in Brazil uh, was was caught, you know, doing race, racial uh, during a, ra- a racial incident during a game. He was taken to the police station, fined, and then let go. Uh, and then he posted like, "I got out of jail," and like included uh, another racial racist uh like emoji um like he used the monkey emoji you know during on his post saying like nothing happened and william like took that screenshot it and put it on a social like what are we doing like this is it like this isn't the solution so um it's been a huge stain on on this copa libertadores because it's to your point this is not a problem of in 2022 this is an ongoing problem for for many many years in south america and until the Federation Comable actually does something you know, severe, like you mentioned the homophobic chant, like the way FIFA is penalizing and threatening the Mexican Football Federation, Comable yeah. hasn't done any of that. And so until that happens, we may continue to see this, which is very unfortunate. It is unfortunate because this is a great tournament with some great games. And uh, although those incidents will sounds like just continue to keep on taking place, the soccer is going to be great. And I recommend everybody watch Felipe. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Anytime. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.